Welcome to the Corona of Thorns podcast. I'm Father Peter Swans, and today is Wednesday of the 21st week in Ordinary Time. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. And with your spirit. To prepare ourselves, let us acknowledge our sins. I confess to Almighty God and to you, my brothers and sisters, that I have greatly sinned in my thoughts and in my words, in what I have done and in what I have failed to do, through my fault, through my fault, through my most grievous fault. Therefore I ask, Blessed Mary, ever-Virgin, all the angels and saints, and you, my brothers and sisters, to pray for me to the Lord our God. May Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us our sins, and bring us to everlasting life. Amen. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Let us pray. O God, who caused the minds of the faithful to unite in a single purpose, grant your people to love what you command and to desire what you promise, that amid the uncertainties of this world, our hearts may be fixed on that place where true gladness is found. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever. Amen. A reading from the second letter of St. Paul to the Thessalonians. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we urge you, brothers, to keep away from any of the brothers who refuses to work or to live according to the tradition we passed on to you. You know how you are supposed to imitate us. Now we were not idle when we were with you, nor did we ever have our meals at anyone's table without paying for them. No, we worked night and day, slaving and straining, so as to not be a burden on any of you. This was not because we had no right to be, but in order to make ourselves an example for you to follow. We gave you a rule when we were with you. Do not let anyone have any food if he refuses to do any work. May the Lord of peace himself give you peace all the time and in every way. The Lord be with you all. From me, Paul, these greetings in my own handwriting, which is the mark of genuineness in every letter. This is my own writing. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Happy are those who fear the Lord. Happy are those who fear the Lord. O blessed are those who fear the Lord, and walk in his ways. By the labour of your hands you shall eat. You will be happy and prosper. Happy are those who fear the Lord. Indeed, thus shall be blessed the man who fears the Lord. May the Lord bless you from Zion all the days of your life. Happy are those who fear the Lord. Alleluia, Alleluia. Whoever keeps the word of Christ grows perfect in the love of God. Alleluia.
The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus said, Alas for you, scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites! You who are like whitewashed tombs that look handsome on the outside, but inside are full of dead men's bones and every kind of corruption. In the same way, you appear to people from the outside like good, honest men, but inside you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. Alas for you, scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites, you who build the sepulchres of the prophets and decorate the tombs of holy men, saying, We would never have joined in shedding the blood of the prophets had we lived in our father's day. So, your own evidence tells against you. You are the sons of those who murdered the prophets. Very well then, finish off the work that your fathers began. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. All right, here we go. Jesus is going to give us a few more woes. Alas for you, scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites, you who are like whitewashed tombs that look handsome on the outside, but inside are full of dead men's bones and every kind of corruption. Now, this one operates a little bit like uh, what we heard yesterday. Remember, Jesus spoke about... um, cleaning the outside of the cup or dish while leaving the inside dirty and impure. Being a whitewashed sepulchre, pretty on the outside, on the inside, full of dead men's bones and corruption. Um, Again, we've got this distinction now between the interior and the exterior, and that needs to be a harmony between the two. Uh, The inside of the bowl needs to be clean just as the outside of the bowl needs to be clean. The pretty exterior of the tomb actually hides the fact that what's inside is dead. Jesus says inside the tomb is hypocrisy and lawlessness. Now, it reminds me of uh, a famous quote from C.S. Lewis. Um, Look, you have to excuse me. I'm I'm on a bit of a C.S. Lewis kick at the moment. But famously, he said one time that um, integrity is doing the right thing, even when no one is watching. And I think that quote serves to expose the tension that exists between the interior and the exterior. The exterior gets whitewashed, the interior remains corrupt. You know, if it doesn't appear on the outside, am I really concerned about what it does on the inside? Or am I quite content that it be filled with dead men's bones and corruption? You see, the word integrity, we usually use it to mean, you know, someone who's honest and reliable, having a a strong sense of um, moral principle. And, you know, that's all true. Got no argument with that. But there's another meaning to the word integrity, which I think also contributes something to uh, our reflection today. Um, When we refer to a metal or, you know, a material having integrity, it means that it's got consistency, that through the length of the metal, there is a consistent crystal structure. You know, it doesn't have dents and flaws. It doesn't have those spots that are impurities which make it weak and, and prone to breaking in that place. In other words, through the material, there's consistency. Uh, And, you know, I think that's what Lewis is pointing to. Integrity is 
doing the right thing even when no one is watching. That whether it's interior or exterior, this is how I am. This is, this is what I do. The fact of being observed doesn't change the choice that I make. Whitewashed on the outside, whitewashed on the inside. So here's the thing, you know, the scribes and Pharisees, they might well be willing to follow the law when they're observed, but on the inside is hypocrisy and lawlessness. On the outside they're whitewashed, on the inside they're tombs, full of dead men's bones and corruption. So here's the thing, you know, what's the law for? The law is there, you know, in order to guide us towards what is truly good. The law is there, you know, not simply to constrain our behavior. The law is there in order to lead us toward what is good. The law is there to make us good. And so if there's this lawlessness within me, if I'm not prepared to follow the law when no one's looking, well, the law's not going to transform me. I'm not going to become good. In fact, all I'm doing is hiding behind a whitewash, a whitewash which masks a tomb. And that's why this is so dangerous, because it looks pretty from the outside, but on the inside, there's nothing of substance. What a danger this is, Uh, a danger... For scribes and Pharisees, let's face it, a danger for us. Do we have integrity? This consistency between the exterior and the interior. Does the potential of someone's admiration cause me to choose good things? When in actual fact, interiorly, I'm I'm quite lawless and without the motivation of attracting someone's attention, I probably wouldn't do it. Well... I might be missing a bit of integrity. I made this point yesterday, and I think it's probably worth just reiterating. Um, Being weak doesn't make you a hypocrite. Um, Struggling in maintaining this integrity and, and, and falling away from our own highest ideals, that doesn't make us hypocrites. It makes us weak. Being a hypocrite means no longer trying and being content with the dead men's bones on the inside and still trying to whitewash the outside. All right, just quickly, let's look at this last one. Alas for you, scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You who build the sepulchres of the prophets and decorate the tombs of holy men, saying we would never have joined in shedding the blood of the prophets had we lived in our father's day. So, your very own evidence tells against you. You are the sons of those who murdered the prophets. Very well then, finish off the work that your fathers began. Now, Jesus exposes a real kind of blindness now in the scribes and Pharisees. You know, you guys bring all this honor and respect to the prophets and those that are, you know, admired for their holiness. Um, And, you know, we never would have been among the ones who persecuted the prophets. We would have always been among the ones who listened to the word of God proclaimed by the prophets. And never would we have dreamt being among the ones who put them to death. Well, Jesus obviously is pointing to the very ones who will put him to death. Your very own evidence counts against you. You're exactly the kind of people 
who destroy the word of God, even while you kid yourselves into thinking that you honor it and follow it. Well, is, is this relevant to us? Um, yeah, I think it is. I think there are ways in which we can be destructive of God's plan on earth while claiming to defend God's plan on earth. That, you know, we decorate the tombs of holy men and we build the sepulchres of the prophets while at the same time we tear it down. How? Well, read a Catholic blog or two. So often they descend into vitriol. Now, you know, the questions that get raised, they're often, you know, really important and legitimate questions. Question about the truth of doctrine, the practice of liturgy, all that sort of stuff. You know, none of it's trivial, like it's important stuff. But how easily it descends into hatred and scorn and contempt and name-calling. Uh, that, you know, in the name of God, we think we're bringing honor, you know, by decorating the tombs of holy men and building the prophet, the sepulchres of the prophets. But in actual fact, what we're doing is we're, we're tearing down the very thing that we claim to be supporting. In the name of defending doctrine, we destroy charity. Now, blogs is just one example. You can, you know, find hundreds of them in parish life that in the name of something good or holy, we are willing to destroy one another. And again, you know, not to say that the matters at hand aren't important or that they're irrelevant or that, you know, these discussions and disagreements shouldn't be thrashed out. But if it kills charity, even if you manage to prove your point, what have you won? Nothing. It's lose-lose. It's a pyrrhic victory. In winning the battle, we've actually destroyed ourselves. I really like Archbishop Fisher's uh, episcopal motto, Veritatem facientes in caritate, speaking the truth in love. No point having one without the other. You've got to have both together. Otherwise, we end up scribes, Pharisees, Catholic hypocrites. At the Saviour's command, and formed by divine teaching, we dare to say, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Deliver us, Lord, we pray, from every evil. Graciously grant peace in our days that by the help of your mercy we may be always free from sin and safe from all distress as we await the blessed hope and the coming of our Saviour, Jesus Christ. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Let us welcome Christ into our hearts with an act of spiritual communion. My Jesus, I believe that you are present in the most holy sacrament. I love you above all things, and I desire to receive you into my soul. Since I cannot, at this moment, receive you sacramentally, come at least spiritually into my heart. I embrace you as if you were already there, and unite myself wholly to you. Never permit me to be separated from you. Amen.
The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. May Almighty God bless you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Go in peace. Thanks be to God. And we finish by praying Pope Francis's prayer to Mary during the coronavirus pandemic. O Mary, you shine continuously on our journey as a sign of salvation and hope. We entrust ourselves to you, health of the sick. At the foot of the cross, you participated in Jesus' pain with steadfast faith. You, salvation of the Roman people, know what we need. We are certain that you will provide so that as you did in Cana of Galilee, joy and feasting might return after this moment of trial. Help us, Mother of Divine Love, to conform ourselves to the Father's will and to do what Jesus tells us. He who took our sufferings upon himself and bore our sorrows to bring us through the cross to the joy of the resurrection. Amen. We seek refuge under your protection, O Holy Mother of God. Do not despise our pleas, we who are put to the test, and deliver us from every danger, O glorious and blessed Virgin. Amen. Thanks for praying with us, and may God bless you abundantly, so that this day may give glory to God the Father.